Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 8 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. You know how it works. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's just get right into it. Biggest sports news of the day has got to be a little basketball update. There's a man, number one recruit, by the name of Jalen Green. For those basketball fans, y'all are familiar with him. The potential number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft is bypassing college and signing in the NBA G League. And multiple reports about this, and he has come out and said that that is what he is going to do. So he's going to forego a college basketball career and start professionally playing basketball here in the United States. And he's going to go to the G League, which, you know, this could be a a huge trend moving forward for basketball players. And uh, it's a little interesting to hear. I've heard different reports on how much he's going to be paid Uh, for top prospects. They were talking about it would be in the range of his contract will be 125000 for elite players like him uh, coming from the G League. and uh, But I've heard reports that he can make up to 500000 even make a million dollars. And then also the ability to make endorsements, do appearances. Uh, it's just it's going to be interesting. The G League is apparently working to launch a team in Southern California that will develop young prospects to get them ready for the NBA. And this is going to be a huge trend moving forward. Not only did Green do this, but five-star prospect Isaiah Todd decommitted from Michigan and is also to do the same thing that Green did and sign with the G League and go play for this new Southern California team. And this is all just insane stuff that you know these guys are going to back out of college and go straight directly to the pros this all kind of started a few years ago when Emmanuel Moutier decided to forego uh, playing in college basketball and decided to go to Australia we've seen a, a few other guys do this exact same thing of wanting to play professionally right out of high school if they're that talented and uh You wonder why they can't jump right to the NBA. Well, the CBA doesn't allow players younger than 19 years of age to uh, be able to be drafted. you got to be 19 years old. That's why you got to at least play a year somewhere else before you can actually be drafted into the NBA. But uh, the G League wants to keep the talent homegrown, want to keep the guys around, keep them relevant, keep them in eyesight. And, uh, you know, by increasing contracts, allowing them to make a decent amount of money, off you know staying here it makes sense it's a smart thing to do it's a good business move by the g league keep the talent here in the u.s key and allow you know the g league to thrive the g league could be a huge thing if the right prospects are there and all of that but the bigger news has got to be for college basketball this has got to be a huge hit for college basketball but i don't blame them. why would you go to co- play college basketball for a year make no money get you know they don't even go to class these number one guys who go to college don't they don't go to class and frankly they're only there for a semester frankly they got to get by the first semester then they compete part of the second half of the semester they play january february march maybe into april if their team makes it that far in the tournament and then they declare for the draft they don't even go to school for the rest of april and may because then they declare for the draft and turn themselves into professional athletes by signing an agent so they really don't even go to school so that free education you can throw that thing out the door 
you can just throw it right out. And I understand, yeah, free room and board. I get it. But is that is it really worth getting all that for free to then when you could actually make money, get endorsements, play against other professional athletes, develop your game a little better? Um yeah, I think this is just going to be a, a new trend for big prospects to want to go to the G League and, you know, play professionally right away. It's a better way to develop your skill. And I know college coaches will have a fit hearing me say this and other media members, uh, whoever speaks out uh, in favor of this. But I, I think it's great. I, I think NBA basketball players or high school basketball players, that is, should be able to make money directly right out of high school and shouldn't have to wait a year to be in the NBA. Frankly, they should change the rule. And this this will just allow them to, I think, develop quicker. They're going to start playing against veterans who have been around the league, been back and forth through the G League and in the NBA. So they're going to be playing against grown men. It's just going to be better experience for them. And it's I think it's just going to be a big trend moving forward. This could be the demise of college basketball moving forward as we see it. Now, the one and done has really run things of late, but I think there are still a lot of guys that, you know, will be at schools for three, four years and can still earn their degree. And, you know, college basketball won't go away, but is it going to be as big? Mm, That remains to be seen. But I actually like this move. I think it's better for the athletes to be able to go play professionally, make money off their skill. Because at this point, the NCAA and college basketball is exploiting these athletes. Head coaches are making millions of dollars a year. These universities are bringing in millions of dollars a year. The big ones are bringing in huge money because of players like these guys, like Green. They're going to bring in big money because, you know, boosters pay to see them. They sell season tickets in thousands of dollars. But, you know, now no one is going to take advantage of them. Now they're going to make money off their ability. Their skill is going to drive them making money. They can now make money for themselves rather than making for money for others and not see a dime of that money. It shouldn't be fair. They exploit these athletes at the NCAA. They should be allowed to make money. And this is now going to, it's going to be a big thing. And the NCAA really needs to look at this and figure out how they're going to handle it moving forward. And whether that's paying athletes with some form of stipend, having, you know, a yearly salary. And, you know, people might say that's too far. It takes away from the game. You know, they're amateurs. It's, yeah, that's all good and dandy. But there really are only are a few guys who this will apply to. Like Green, like Todd. It's not, this isn't for everyone. Not everyone is going to be able to do this and be allowed to go to the G League. You got to be a really special talent. And Jalen Green is. You know, he's the number one prospect for next year's draft. He's an insane talent. I recommend go watching his Hoops mixtape. It's, he's an absolute awesome talent. And frankly, he doesn't need to spend a year in college. Frankly, he should be able to go right to the professional ranks and try it out and see what he's capable of doing against other superstar basketball players. And I'm not saying he's a superstar. Don't get carried away with that. I'm saying he's good enough to play at the professional ranks, and we'll see if he's able to do that. And it's, I think it's good. I think it's good moving forward. I think it'll only make the NBA product better. I think it'll make high school athletes better knowing that they can start making money directly uh, out of school once they, you know, graduate from high school. It's, it's just going to make things better. And it's also going to allow them, you know, 
to, and this is good for the NBA too, because it keeps the talent here in the U.S. It allows them to be able to see them more, see what they're capable, scout them better, promote them better. It's, it's just going to be all around better for the game, in my opinion. I think it'll pay huge dividends in the long run. It's, it, you know, it's, it's a good time for this. It's a good time for this, especially when the other day the Big 12 commissioner announced that they will not be doing college football if campuses are still closed and they're still doing remote. And that's good. And that's, you know, if that's the way it is, then they might not even be playing college basketball next season if campuses are still closed. So why take the chance of not being able to play, miss out on a full year when you could play professionally? Yeah, there might not be fans there. That's unfortunate, but you'll at least be getting to play against other competition, be able to still be developing your game, get better. It's only, it's just, I think it's better. All around, it's going to make the game better, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm excited to see him play against other professional athletes and grown-ass men because G League players, they're not to be taken lightly. They still have a lot of talent. They still have a lot of talent. Yeah, they're technically in the developmental league of the NBA, but they still have a lot of ability. They're still right there on the cusp of being in the best basketball league in the world that is the NBA. These guys are more than capable and it's going to be great to see. And I'm really looking forward to see Green and Todd play against other professionals. And I'm looking forward to see how things are going to move forward with this. You know, uh, RJ Hampton did this. You know, LaMelo Ball had to do this of going over to Australia and play. And, you know, they get a lot of exposure. They're making money. You know, it's only good. Those kind of talented, those kind of kids with those kind of talent deserve to make money because everyone else is making money off them. Everyone else is selling jersey tickets. If they went to college, they wouldn't see any money. Whereas they go play professionally, they're allowed to make money off their skill set. That's right. That's the American way. That's how it should be. And, uh, you know, good for Green. Way to do the right. I think whether it's the right thing or wrong thing, I think it's the best thing for him and his family. And clearly he thinks so too. That's why he did it. Good for you, Green. You know, way to choose the G League over college. So it's going to be interesting to see how this affects sports moving forward, but I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Stirring the pot, baby. Stirring the pot. Second topic I want to get to. I said I was going to talk about it the other episode, and I've been meaning to get to it. The MLB considering radical realignment for the 2020 season. Uh, there's been a lot of talk with this coronavirus. Uh, frankly, we don't even know if there's going to be games at this point. They're still trying to figure out a way for uh, – teams to get on the field and try and figure some things out. And, um, you know, this is one of the more interesting things that I've come across and a proposal that I've seen them do and that I've talked about with other people is they're talking about keeping it the spring training style of having the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League of strictly just playing in Arizona and Florida. Florida kind of opened the door with this, with the governor signing an executive order that would allow professional sports to take place in the state of Florida with no fans in attendance, you know, and there's still a lot to go in that, but Fauci, uh, we all know him. He said that this could be possible as long as players are tested weekly. They're in confined areas, you know, of hotels and playing with no fans and being constantly checked up on and making sure that they're staying healthy. And if something like that could go down and it's, you know, works all well on all cylinders, 
it's a go. He says it's a go for them to be playing sports. So unfortunately, we won't be able to go to the game necessarily, but we'll be able to watch. And I think if baseball does something this radical of having the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League going on for its regular season, oh, everyone's going to watch. Everyone's going to pay attention. If anything, it's going to be it's going to drive Major League Baseball up knowing that it's this radically different, and everyone's going to want to see how this all works. It's going to realign all six divisions. Just imagine, there's going to be new divisional rivalries. If you don't know the Grapefruit League, I'm going to run it down real quick. That's the, that's the Florida League. And uh, in the north is the New York Yankees, the Philadelphia Phillies, Toronto Blue Jays, Detroit Tigers, Pittsburgh Pirates. In the south, you got the Boston Red Sox, Minnesota Twins, Atlanta Braves, Tampa Bay Rays, Baltimore Orioles. And in the East, you have the Washington Nationals, Houston Astros, the New York Mets, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Miami Marlins. Those would be the teams playing in Florida as of how this layout is constructed right now. That's how the teams would work. Those would be the three divisions, those teams going against each other. I think that's super interesting. New York Yankees, rivals with the Phillies, the Twins, are now rivals with the Atlanta Braves, the Houston Asterix, as I like to call them now, since they cheated. Never forget. Never forget what that horrible organization did, but they would be rivals with the Nationals, the team that beat them in the World Series this past year. It, it would just make the league a whole lot more entertaining and exciting and to be interesting to see how this is all going to work. If all these teams are now playing each other and they're just in two, really two locations. And I think it's very possible. You know, they have the facilities to get this done. There are 26 ballparks available and including uh, three major league domed stadiums in uh, Tropicana, St. Pete, the worst uh, stadium in professional sports. Uh, then we got Marlins Park down in Miami, one of the most beautiful stadiums in sports, but no one goes to it anyways. And then Chase Field in Phoenix. But other than that, they got the spring training facilities. Uh, I forgot to mention the Cactus League. So how that would break down is in the Northeast, we got the Chicago Cubs, the San Francisco Giants, Arizona Diamondbacks, Colorado Rockies, and the Oakland Athletics. And then in the West, got the Los Angeles Dodgers, Chicago White Sox, Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Indians, and the Los Angeles Angels. And then in the Northwest, we got the Milwaukee Brewers, San Diego Padres, Seattle Mariners, Texas Rangers, and the Kansas City Royals. Honestly, with how this breaks down, the league is even more up for grabs. It would break down really nicely that everyone really now has a chance. Unless you're really tanking teams like the Marlins, Royals, maybe not so much, but these other teams, you got to like where your place. You got to like what you're looking at if these are your divisional foes for some of these teams. And it's just going to make things unbelievably entertaining moving forward. Unbelievably. You know, it's going to be tough with, uh, you know, the Cactus League provides a little more flexibility given all the teams are within an hour's drive of each other. Florida's a little tougher because it's kind of spaced out all over the place. Uh, That presents a little bigger challenge of, you know, staff needing to be quarantined. Um, But that all hasn't been determined yet. Really, it's, you know, this is all really up in the air. There was another report that the season could exclusively take place in Arizona. You know, that hasn't been given the go by the governor just yet. So really, there's a lot of moving pieces with this. But financially, it could be huge for TV rights holders, 
you know, we could be seeing games at 11 a.m. in Florida and still have primetime games for the East Coast teams and the West Coast teams. And eh, you really don't think that there's going to be any blockouts because they're going to want to get as much exposure as possible. You can get rid of all of that. Even with the realignment, could still play 12 games apiece against their new divisional rivalry and six games apiece against the other teams in the state. Um, I would really like to see a rule change. If something like this were to happen, they'd have to implement this rule change, and it'd be the designated hitter is now in both leagues. Since you're mixing these NL and AL teams, you got to combine that DH to both, and I think that would just add to the offensive firepower that a lot of these teams already have. It would make it extremely exciting. You could have divisional winner, wildcard winners, perhaps even adding another wildcard team, and... Or even you could just have the, a postseason tournament with all 30 teams, depending on how it breaks down all of that. There's a lot of options that Major League Baseball could go with this. And I think it just would make the game a lot more fun. It would rejuvenate it. It would get people really tuned in, have people paying attention, which is the big thing right now for baseball. Viewership in baseball is way down, and that's really disappointing to me. I'm a huge baseball fan. I love baseball. I played it all my life growing up, and I, I hate to see that it's – People aren't paying attention to it, that no one really cares about it. And I know the season is extremely long, but games still matter. And I think this would allow games to matter because then for sure, no matter what, it's going to be a shortened season. Baseball should have already started, but with this corona pandemic, games have obviously been postponed and they're figuring out what they're going to do and what they're capable of and if anything is possible. So it would just make things that much more exciting. And even better, the World Series could play, be played at a really technically a neutral site, if you will, since that's not really their home field. It's really their spring training site. And they could use utilize dome stadiums if they want. They ha- they'll have access to that with the three that I already named and the two in Florida and the one in Arizona. There's just a lot of capabilities for something like this to happen. And really, it's an optimistic look that they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to get something done, trying to do it. And that's all you can care about. That's all that really matters is just really trying to find a way to make this work and give sports fans what they want. Sports. Obviously, you got to worry about the health and safety of the players. That's the biggest thing right now in this pandemic. But if we can get any form of sports and make sure that these athletes are healthy, you got to pull the trigger on one of these ideas and make something happen, whether it's having the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League or having all the teams be playing in Arizona and have their designated areas. It just, at this point, it's up in the air, but it's all entertaining stuff and all awesome simulations and ideas they could imagine. So I'm for it. Let's make it happen, baseball. Please figure something out and allow this to be possible because I think it could just really rejuvenate the sport. It You know, they could do a number of different things as far as maybe having shorter games, double headers of seven innings. It, 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 the possibilities are endless at this point. The possibilities are endless. So please, baseball, figure it out. Make something happen because I want something to happen because I miss baseball. It should be baseball season. I should be tuning in and watching my beloved Chicago Cubs clean up on that central division in the NL, but that's not doesn't look like that's going to be the case right now. Looks like they're going to be doing something completely different, and I'm for that. 
As long as I can watch them on TV, I'm for it. And I think it'll be huge TV boost for baseball. It's going to get people tuned in. It's going to see that the season is shorter. It's going to be a lot of fun. So please, please let something of these reports be true. I need something for it to be true. Anyways, moving on. Topic number three that I want to get to is with the optimism is that the NBA is optimistic abounds among this corona pandemic. And according to a report by The Athletic, optimism all over the place among owners, players, agent, NBA league office, uh, that the season will be finished out in some way. They're going to finish out the season. And I've heard reports that they want to finish the season by at least Labor Day. Um, Adam Silver came out on April 6th and uh, told TNT's Ernie Johnson that a decision at the earliest wouldn't be discussed until May 1st. So at this point, everything is all speculation when it comes to the NBA. May 1st is when they're going to really sit down and discuss how they can make something like this happen. Um, specifically from Silver, here's a quote, we should accept at least for a month of April, we won't be in any position to make any decision. And that's totally understandable. You know, there's a lot going on. The news cycle that we have today is there's breaking news every day about this corona pandemic. But to hear league officials, players are optimistic that they're somehow going to get the season done. And the other day, there was a proposal of a 25-day plan of a little... You know, they get 11 days to really warm up and then 14 days of, you know, more getting together and making sure that everyone is sound. And then whether they're going to jump right into the playoffs or have a way for a few games before the playoffs to give teams a chance to fight for a playoff spot. Um, it's it's interesting. It's just it's just glad to hear that there's optimistic optimism all over the league, um, given the current situation that we're in. There's got, but there's got to be a willingness to be flexible. And that's what he writes in the article. Uh, you can see that people got to be flexible at this point because we don't know. At this point, everything is up in the air. Nothing is definitive. There's no guarantee. But to hear that there's optimism with the league, with owners, with players, with agents. And I really do think they're going to figure something out. Unfortunately, there will not be fans in attendance for the foreseeable future which is really unfortunate because I love going to basketball games. I live in Orlando, even watching the Orlando Magic. Uh, you know, the games are a lot of fun to go to. I'm just getting an update on my phone here. That's a quote from old Mark Cuban on an update about a return. And if a player thinks that they need a mask in order to play, we'll probably try to play too early. And that's a little unfortunate to hear, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to make sure that everyone is healthy, tested positive. They're going to put them in specific designated areas to make sure that they're, you know, staying healthy, that they're not putting themselves in danger. There's going to be no fans, limited access, I would imagine, with the media. Um, whatever, whatever thing is possible for it to make it happen to keep these players safe but allow them to play the games i'm for it make it happen you know test these players weekly you know keep them away from the general population from you know have really have only their family be able to talk to them you know and then the coaching staff but obviously make sure that everyone is healthy for this so just to hear that there's optimism i'm for it that's all i need to hear Please, just a little optimism because, you know, it's been a downtime during this pandemic. 
you know, the, the league really canceled itself the day of my birthday. March 11th is when they suspended play. They had about 15 to 19 games for teams remaining in the regular season, and it was all postponed. The postseason was supposed to start this coming Saturday. The finals were supposed to start June 4th. You know, this was, this was peak sports time. Really? It was supposed to go from col- the college basketball tournament right into baseball season to right into the NBA postseason. This is one of my favorite times of the year. And I know right when it gets to my birthday, March 11th, it's always a good time. But that was the day that they suspended play. And it was, you know, soul crushing, absolutely soul crushing to hear them cancel games. But at the risk of people's health and safety, I, I understand it. You know, it makes sense. But please, just little optimism, folks. Be optimistic. Be positive in situations like this because that's what we need. So for anything to happen, please, let's make it happen because we need sports back. It's been boring. It, it's It's been slow. This pandemic, you know, there's not a whole lot going on. You can only watch so many series on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus until you want to bang your head against the wall and lose your mind. The other day, I watched paint dry. Literally sat at the wall, did nothing and stared. That's, you know, that's what these situations call for, doing a whole lot of nothing. Fourth topic I want to get to today. The uh, Caesar Sportsbook, uh, kind of interesting that they would do this now before the uh, NFL draft. I'm sure these numbers will change, but uh, the Caesar Sportsbook uh, released the 2020 NFL over and unders for regular season win totals. And, you know, this is always a fun game to play on, see who can go, see what teams are going to do, and everything of that sort and the numbers are very interesting i'm just gonna we could go through it i'm not gonna make any picks yet because the draft certainly a lot of things can change there's still some decent free agents out there on the market that could change teams win totals by at least a couple games so not gonna make any definitive picks yet but i'll run down the list a little bit first i want to hit the highlighted teams you know the better teams out there in the league and um Really, they, Vegas believes that the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. You know, their over-under right now is at 11.5. You know, that sounds right to me. The Baltimore Ravens right there at that same number, 11.5. San Francisco 49ers at 10.5. And then the New Orleans Saints are at 10. Those are the teams at the top of the list. You know, the Chiefs just came off winning the Super Bowl. Still got the Super Bowl MVP. Um, they're bringing back 90% of their roster that just won the Super Bowl, so... If anything, the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Chiefs aren't going anywhere anytime soon. They're bringing back head coach Andy Reid, who finally got over that hump, got his first Super Bowl. Um, Chiefs are still going to be dangerous. Still going to be very dangerous. So you got you got to be um, uh, very optimistic if you're a Chiefs fan, and definitely going to be the cream of the crop for sure. They're going to be one of the better teams. I don't know how they could fall off a cliff with all the talent that they have, the coaching that they have. They'll be right there. Makes sense for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson's still there. They still bring back a lot of new guys. 49ers are going to be right there. Saints will be at the top. Always good in the regular season, postseason. Past few years remains to be seen, but see, maybe this year they can get over the hump and make a big playoff push. But uh, it's another team that you know, is going to be talked about a lot this year is Tom Brady to uh, Tampa Bay, the TB to TB. And uh, he shifts the win total a little bit. They jump from 7.5. They're now projected at nine wins. And you got to believe so because Brady is going to be throwing to Mike Effort, Mike Evans, Chris Goodwin, and O.J. Howard. And that is a, a dangerous, dangerous 
slate of offensive offensive skilled players who Brady can now throw to compared to the the garbage that he was trying to complete passes to up there in New England and but it, that is a loaded like I said I think the NFC South is the best division in football and with the Saints projected at 10 wins uh, and now the Tampa Bay Bucks at nine uh, it's going to be a great division it's going to be a good run it's going to be a good run for sure teams at the bottom of the barrel you know them. You could probably name them off the top of your head without even looking at it. Bengals, Redskins, Jaguars, Panthers. Now, I think the Panthers' win total is a little low, and I'm looking forward to reading what it's going to be. But um, let's see. What do we got here? We got Washington at 5.5 wins. Let's see. Where do we got Carolina here? We got Cincinnati at 5.5. We got the Jaguars at 5.5. And the Carolinas the same. So the Pretty much they're projecting 5.5 is the worst. Obviously, teams are going to do worse than that. Some of those teams, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they could be a little better than I'm expecting. But now let's just run it down the list. You know, a lot of new teams, I think, you know, this could change. You know, I don't know if this is projected with Joe Burrow being uh, with the Bengals, if the Redskins decide to pick a quarterback and move on um, from their guy. It's just... uh, you know, Jaguars, Gardner, Minshew, I will see, remains to be seen. Nick Foles is out of there, so uh, we'll see. We'll see if that's how it's going to work. But, you know, the, I think, you know, at least three of those teams, I definitely think Bengals, Redskins, Jaguars are going to be bottom of the barrel for sure. Uh, they're not, they're not going to be close. I don't think the any three of those teams will be fighting for playoff spots. But there are always some teams that turn around from uh, worst to first in their division, so you never know, but... That's my take on it. We'll just run it down the list real quick. Arizona Cardinals projected at 7.5. Atlanta Falcons also projected at 7.5. Like I said, Baltimore Orioles, 11.5. Buffalo Bills sit at 9 projected wins. Carolina, like I said, 5.5. Chicago Bears, 8.5. You know, they had 9 wins in 2019, so that's about a good number for my uh, Chicago Bears. And then we got, you know, like I said, the Bengals, 5.5. Cleveland Browns, 8.5. You know, they had nine wins. But mm, we'll see about that. Dallas Cowboys, they're at 9.5. Denver Broncos, 7.5. Detroit Lions, 6.5. Green Bay Packers, 9.5. Houston Texans, uh, 8. Indianapolis Colts, 8.5. And then, like I said, with the Jaguars, 5.5. Excuse me, with the win totals last year, that was their projection last year. My mistake, before everyone jumps down my throat, that's not the win totals for all those teams. Those were the projected last year. Anyways, Kansas City Chiefs 11.5. Those Vegas Raiders in their new stadium, 7.5. Los Angeles Chargers, 7.5. The Rams, 9. Miami Dolphins, 6. Minnesota, 9. New England Patriots at 9. That's an interesting number right there, even losing Brady. Does Vegas know something we don't? Patriots going to make a move? Because I, I don't know anything about this Simeon. You know, or whoever the hell they have at their quarterback. I have no idea who's going to play quarterback for them. And then we got the New Orleans Saints, like I said, 10. New York Giants, 6.5. Seems like a high total. New York Jets, 7. Eagles, 9.5. Pittsburgh Steelers, 9.5. 49ers, 10.5. Seattle Seahawks, 9. Tampa Bay, 9. Tennessee Titans, 8.5. And then to round it all out, 
Washington Redskins, like I said, 5.5. Now, it's a lot of interesting numbers there. I'm sure the numbers are going to change moving forward once, you know, a lot of these free agents go off, uh, get signed to teams, and then once the draft happens, I'm sure a couple of these numbers will shuffle around, but a lot of them look pretty accurate. A lot of them look like they're going to be good numbers and will be interesting to bet on. I know me and my friends, we like to get together and do the little over and under on what we think to see win totals, to see which one of us is the smartest. Um, But it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to this NFL season. Hopefully we can go to the games. I can hope for that. It's just going to be interesting to, you know, watch sports without any fans at them. But, you know, I'll be yelling from my couch hoping that they can hear me. So, you know, let's hope there, there are games. But those are the win totals. Like I said, I'm not going to make any predictions yet. I need this draft to happen. I need free agents to be signed for things to really start moving forward and all of that. So, you know, in due time, people, I promise I'll make over-under picks on all of these teams. I promise I'll do it. But until until then, enjoy those numbers. And then the fifth topic today that I want to get to, with this last dance documentary of the Chicago Bulls, they've been doing a lot of talking, you know, hyping up this. And I know that the documentary wasn't supposed to come out till June, wasn't supposed to come out till after the NBA Finals, but now that this corona pandemic has just, you know, changed everything up in our society, they're going to release this documentary early, and it's going to get huge ratings. Um, it's about the uh, Chicago Bulls, if you don't know. It's about their 97-98 team in their last dance. Uh, and, you know, they're kind of, you know, they're how they're right out the season till doing their second three-peat with Michael Jordan. And it's going to be super interesting. We've gotten a lot of good content from former players. Michael Jordan has been doing a lot of talking. And that's the fifth topic I want to get to. Uh, Today, Michael Jordan appeared on Good Morning America. And today is Thursday, if anyone didn't know what day I'm talking for this. Thursday, April 16th. Um, You know, he talked to Robin Roberts about what's going on. And specifically, I wanted to talk about uh, what he said was that it was a trying year. And here's the quote from Jordan. Uh, We all were trying to enjoy that year, knowing that it was coming to an end. At the beginning of the season, it basically started when Jerry Krause told Phil that he could go 82-0 and he would never get a chance to come back. Knowing that, I married myself to Jackson, obviously... And if it wasn't going to be the coach, if he wasn't going to be the coach, then obviously I wasn't going to play. So Phil started off the year saying, this is the last dance. And we played it that way. Basically, it just kind of tugged at you through the course of the year, knowing that this had to come to an end. But it also centered our focus to make sure we ended it right. As, as as it sounded at the beginning of the year, we tried to enjoy the year and finish it off the right way. And, you know, that's that's interesting to hear that. They, they knew it was coming to an end. Jordan, I guess, I would imagine knew that this would be the end, that Phil wouldn't be coaching the next year, that they were moving on from him, even though they didn't. Even though they didn't. So really, it, it's Michael Jordan who knew it was going to be his last year with the Chicago Bulls, that he was going to retire for the second time in his career. Inevitably, he came back to the Washington Wizards, but you know he knew it was going to be his last game, last season with the Chicago Bulls. 
And, uh, you know, that's just, it is sombering to hear and interesting to hear that they knew it was going to be the last time that this group was going to be together, and they did have to finish it the right way. Had to go for that three-peat, and, you know, they did just that. You know, took it to those Utah Jazz, beat them in six games. Jordan has the infamous shot. We all know it. Did he push off? Mm, probably. But, you know, still knocked down that jumper. They're not calling that in the NBA Finals at that, you know, at that stake. So I'm really looking forward to this documentary. It's going to be an awesome documentary. Any content that we can get about sports is what we need right now. And the, the series, it's going to be a long one. You know, it's like 10 hours of content. They're going to have, you know, like four or five parts to this. I'm very excited to it. Actually, five parts from what I'm seeing right here, the documentary series, which will begin this Sunday on ESPN and run over the next five Sundays. And it chronicalizes the final season Jordan played in Chicago, which saw the Bulls win their third straight title in six and eight season. And it also covers Jordan's life leading up to that year, including his time at North Carolina, where he won a national championship in 82. Um... So yeah, it's really it's really a Michael Jordan documentary. It's really saying that you know it was it was his time there in Chicago. It was his final year, and it's really going to show Michael Jordan and the player that he was. Yeah, I think him and LeBron are one A and one B of the greatest players of all time. So it's going to be great to see some highlights of Michael Jordan being his most dominant self, and you know running train on the league and them going seventy two and ten and absolutely dominating everyone. It's just. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great documentary. Uh, my mistake. My mistake. They went 62-20 and 20, uh, that year of 97-98. Uh, but um, it's going to be a great documentary. I'm l- really looking forward to it. It's the kind of content we need. And I know Jordan has come out and say people are th- going to think he's a horrible person. But you don't have to be liked by everyone. And especially when you have a drive to be great, not everyone's going to like you. You're not going to make friends. You don't make friends trying to be the greatest at something. Not everyone loves you. And you don't have to be loved by everyone. If you felt you did it the right way and you won how you wanted to win, that's all you got to be at. You just got to be proud in yourself and you got to love the way you did it. And Jordan shouldn't care how people think of him. He already goes down as, you know, everyone says he's the greatest basketball player ever. You know, I personally think it's LeBron, but Jordan is, it's 1A, 1B, really. It's, you know, they're both the goats right there. So, different topic. I've talked about it before, but it's going to be great to see. I'm really looking forward to them talking about Jordan's career and showing his greatness, his airness. You know, the surf flight, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Let's make it happen, huh, this Sunday. And apparently, you know, ESPN is doing a swearing they're doing something ridiculous where they're showing that you can hear the cussing on ESPN, but they have a a bleep out version on ESPN too, where you don't hear any cussing. So a little, a little softer. It's going to be a little more fan family friendly there on ESPN too. But I can tell you, I'm going to be watching the nitty gritty cussing that they said and the things that Jordan tells his teammates there and hear what kind of, killer he was out there on the court and I hope they play a lot of his trash talking because he's you get to be greatest trash talker in all of sports I'm really looking forward to it so 
big time. Those are the five topics I wanted to get to today, and I do have an unpopular opinion for you. And I'm going based off maybe someone else's unpopular opinion, and his name is Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq came out, and he said that he believes that the Lakers would beat the Chicago Bulls if all the players on those teams were in their prime. He said the Lakers would win easily. And Shaq, I would agree with you. I think the Lakers would win. And Shaq says the factor would would be him. And I 100% agree with that. Who's stopping Shaq? Who is slowing down Shaquille O'Neal? And I know people would like to say Dennis Rodman. I don't think so. I don't think Rodman's slowing him down. Who's going to stop him? Luke Longley? Tony Kukoc? I don't think Rodman can do it. I don't think those guys can do it. Yeah, I, uh, who who's stopping Shaq? Who that, that's really the defining factor in this. Who is stopping Shaquille O'Neal? He's one. He's you can debate. He's the most dominant force when he was in his prime. He was the most dominant force in NBA history. You couldn't stop him. You couldn't stop him on the block. Too big. Too dominant. Too big. Too strong. Just absolute monster. He was an absolute monster. Who's stopping Shaq? He's right. There's no one on that team that could stop Shaq. And I know people would like to say, well, Michael would overcome. Michael would do it. And mm, yeah, but he would be going up against Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant thought he was every bit of of what Michael Jordan was. So I don't want to say they cancel each other out, but they really kind of do. They really do kind of cancel each other out. But Gosh, Shaquille O'Neal, just, you could go, what's, what year do you want to go by? Do you want to go by 2001, where he averaged 28 and 12? Or do you want to go by 2001 and 2, when he averaged 27 and 10? Or do you want to go by 2002, 2003, when he averaged 27 and 11? Or do you want to go by the 1999 to 2000, when he averaged 29 and 13? I don't know, whatever year you want to go by, No one is stopping Shaq. No one is stopping Shaq on that Chicago Bulls roster. He is really the definitive factor here. He really is. There's no one who could slow him down. But, you know, you look at the roster, and I like like this um, Lakers roster a little more. You know, they got Kobe. They got Shaq, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, Robert Ory, you know, big shot Ory. You know, don't sleep. Seven championships. <laughs> you know, they just got they got guys. Brian Shaw, Mitch Richmond, Lindsey Hunter, Samik Walker. It just, they got they got the players. They got the the squad. Now I know you know the Bulls. They got a roster of their own that's pretty solid. You know, Steve Kerr, Ron Harper, Luke Longley, Tony Kukoc, Dennis Rodman, and then the two other Hall of Famers that they got: Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan. But for some reason, I just can't get around the fact that there's no one on this Bulls team that could slow down Shaq. Shaq would just impose his will on that Bulls team. And I don't want to hear that they go to the hack. They'd go to the hack of Shaq. Even if they did try to do that, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Shaq would still be too dominant. He'd make guys foul out, and then they'd absolutely abuse. And then even then, okay, dump it over to Kobe. He's getting you 30. 
He's giving you 30. And I know you could say Pippen's guarding him or Jordan's guarding him, but I don't think he's getting slowed down. And I really think that's the that's the difference maker. And it's a great hypothetical. I'm all for it. But um, Shag Diesel is getting the Lakers that W against the prime Chicago Bulls. Well, that's all I got here. Episode 8 in the books. You know, thanks for listening. Uh, until next time, you know, more episodes to come. I promise. They're coming like hotcakes now. So I promise. Keep, keep, it, keep listening. And all, as always, you know, at this time, stay healthy. And remember, wash your damn hands. All right. I'm out. Thank you.